Hey, this is Randy Gage, and you're listening to the Power Prosperity Podcast. Welcome to Thought Hustle, the show that will teach you how to excel in your financial, emotional, mental, and physical health, seeking to expand all areas of your life so that you can live an absolutely amazing, outstanding life. I am Daniel Gerner, your show host, and I am here to help you to bring your life to the next level. And we do that with amazing guests. And today we are bringing on Randy Gage. He is a writer, entrepreneur, coach, podcast host, and consultant. He does a little bit of everything. And today, this brilliant man is going to teach you how you can elevate your life and be successful. So without any further ado, let's get to the show. Welcome to Thought Hustle. Today we have the pleasure of bringing on Randy Gage. How are you doing today, Randy? I'm doing great, thanks. I bet you're doing great. We were just talking about how Randy, he's out in Miami, Florida, and here I am in New York working those 50, 60 degree days, and I don't even wanna know how warm it is there, Randy, because it's just gonna (laughs) depress me. (laughs) Would you start out by telling us a little bit about yourself and your background? I guess at my essence, at this moment in the space-time continuum, I would be best described as a writer. But really, the journey to that started as an entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for 35 or 40 years now. And along the way, kind of discovered self-development. And then when I discovered self-development, I discovered the principle. I, the, study of prosperity books by Charles Fillmore and Myrtle Fillmore and Ernest Holmes. And uh, so that's kind of fascinated me. So I've spent the last 25 or 30 being a student of prosperity. And so that's kind of inflected on everything I do, the books I write, the podcast I do, the blog that I have. kind of on this journey of prosperity and kind of sharing. I don't present myself as any guru or anything. I'm just kind of the narrator saying, hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's what's working. Here's what's not working. See what can work in your life. And so uh, I'm now, my last book is called Radical Rebirth. That was my 14th book. So I've really dialed into that. And I kind of, I really would like to write one book every year from here on out. That's amazing. So would you tell, would you go back a little bit? You've been doing this for a few decades and tell us what first piqued your interest in the, the, um, the self-development world, the prosperity ideology. Yeah, it was called uh, a life transformational uh, moment of being sick of being broke. <laughs> I, uh, I was desperately trying to run a restaurant. I, my buddy and I bought a place. We didn't really have the money to start uh, and really fund it. So we got behind on the taxes. The IRS came and seized it and auctioned it off at the courthouse. And so I was uh, $55,000 in debt, which at that wow. moment in my life might, might as well be $100 million, um, and sold off my furniture and was sleeping on the floor and had no house and no money, no credit card, no job. And just my life was broken. And I found my way to a science of mind church and then a unity church. And that's where I really got introduced to those, the, the authors I mentioned earlier and kind of the, 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 this area we, I would call prosperity. Wow. That's an amazing backstory. 
what kept you going? I mean, a lot of people, they'd be completely knocked down by that. They'd, they'd give up on trying to seek a love, life of prosperity when they first found that they were $55,000 in debt. They'd just say, all right, that's it. This entrepreneur journey is not for me. This is where it gets you. It gets you in the hole. What kind of pushed you through that? And you're like, all right, there is something to this. I don't know that I had any other choice. I feel like I'm psychologically unemployable at this point, you know, and was by that point after you, um, you know, go to work for yourself and be an entrepreneur and get a taste of that and go down that journey, you, it's real. And, and I did have to go back and be an employee. You know, I, I took a job flipping eggs at a diner in a drugstore getting up at 4.30 in the morning and going there at 5.30 and opening it up and being the breakfast cook because I needed to eat, right? Um, but, I mean, that just chafed on me and I just kept, so that's really when I started writing. I, I had a dream always to be a writer. I was a reader as a kid. That was kind of my saving grace that I devoured books. I loved to read. And so I always had thought I was going to write a book. And so I thought, well, I could, I should try to be a freelance writer now and write stories. And I submitted a story to the Miami New Times, which is the alternative paper here. And they accepted it and they bought it for like $200. And I was like, whoa, wow, this is amazing. My, you know, life is going to be transformed. And um, so that's what started me back to the entrepreneurial thing. And then it was just the point where I had been in direct selling when I was in my 20s. I'd made a little bit of money. That's the money I'd used to try and start that restaurant. And I just realized, listen, what am I going to do? I mean, you know, I'm going to get a job at Denny's as a manager and they're going to pay me 30000 a year, which is probably what it was in those days. And I owe $55,000. I mean, it'll be 25 years before yeah. I'm ever out of debt. And I thought, I got to go back and direct selling. I got to make some bigger money. I got to, you know, I can't make this uh, $600 a week or whatever it is. I need to make some big money. So for me, it was kind of, uh, I don't know that it was any conscious decision other than survival, which is, hey, I can't. I can't survive like this. I got to do something different, something bold. Yeah. And good for you doing that. And it's funny that you mentioned that you had to spend $55,000 to kind of figure this out. I just picture people going to school, they spend the same thing on an education. And as opposed to going to college for four years, you got your education in a restaurant that went under. I just think that's an interesting parallel. So my guess is yeah. that you... Talk about a parallel. So I have a really close friend who is a PhD and he's a, he's younger than me. So he's, he's probably 50 something now. And um, he's been paying his student loans for 30 years yeah. and he still owes a hundred thousand dollars in student debt. So that 55,000, it's really starting to look like cheap. a bargain when I look at what some of the, you know, uh, the people who have college debt. I mean, that's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think a lot of people that hear that and they'll say, well, Randy was insane for starting a restaurant. He didn't know what he was doing. He lost $55,000. And then individuals will go to school for four years and they'll walk away and they'll be like, well, what can I even do with this degree? What, what do I even have? You don't have any life experience. You've just been taught by teachers who have probably not had much life experience on their own. And if you're lucky, they have had life experience, but you're just going for a grade. So yeah, I think that's a really interesting correlation there. Yeah, I wrote a book called Mad Genius, maybe in uh, four or five years ago. And one of the things I talked about there was the, the complete breakdown of the education system, how it's really designed to create worker drones for the collective. 
And I talked about what I would do if, if I ran Google or Apple or Tesla or SpaceX or one of those companies. And what I wrote in the book was like, I would just start my own high school and my own college. And I would go out and recruit high school kids and say, hey, we got a, a, a high school here at the Google campus. And I would bring in the most brilliant minds in the world and pay them 400,000 a year to be a professor there or a teacher there and let them do all their other projects and get stock options and everything. And then I'd create my own college and I'd say, hey, you got selected. You, you know, people would apply for it. You'd look at them and say, hey, yeah, they, that's the kind of person we want. And you'd say, hey, um, we'll give you college for free. Uh, you know, if you work for us and if you don't decide you don't want to work for us, then we'll work out something or arrangement or whatever. And I mean, why wouldn't you hire, you know, uh, little Nas X to be the music teacher? Um, and why wouldn't you hire LeBron James to be the gym teacher? And why wouldn't you hire uh, J.D. Martinez from the Red Sox to be the you know, sports nutrition coach or whatever. Yeah. I mean, people like that, if you offered them a chance to, to just get paid at that level and say, hey, come in and just be brilliant and we want to pay you to think and then share your thoughts with this next generation of people, that would be the kind of school I'd create. And that's really what's happened. I've been really gratified to see a lot of the dot-com, you know, the tech companies have adopted that and said, yeah, you know what? Recruiting at Stanford and Yale and Harvard isn't really getting us what we need. We, we need a different type of animal. We need people with entrepreneurial uh, yeah. vibe and belief and foundation. And so they've created some of these kind of programs. And uh, that's what, I, so I'm delighted to see that happen. And I, I do feel like, you know, one of my friends is Nito Kibane, and he's the, uh, I don't know what he is, the chancellor, I guess, of High Point University. And um, I could see how, because I'm a high school dropout, right? I was expelled from school when I was 16 years old. Um, so I didn't attend college. I don't, you know, and then later when I was like 30 something, I went back and just, I took the GED test yeah. so I could take some courses at college. And then I took some courses in uh, humanities and learned about opera and Spanish and French and, uh, you know, just stuff that I wanted to explore my mind, expand my mind. And uh, I could see how four years in a campus environment could be amazing stage of development at your life at 18, 20, 22 years old. But not if you're going to go into hock for $200,000 and get a degree in some field that's basically obsolete by the time you graduate. I mean, one of the things I wrote in that book is that, you know, the, the greatest, like right now, we're in 20, almost done with 2021, the best jobs of 2027. If you want to prepare yourself, right? You're a 17 year old, a 19 year old, or you're a parent, you got a teenager and you want to prepare them for the greatest jobs of 2027. They haven't even been invented yet. So you can't prepare for them. So that's the idea of a college degree preparing you for a job is this really quaint, outdated notion that has no basis in reality. What a college experience should be or a work experience should be is teaching people how to think because the education system doesn't do that now the education system tells you what to think and it teaches you to memorize facts what year did this war start what year did it end how many states are in this country, how many, you know, just worthless info that any nine-year-old could look up on their smartphone in 12 seconds, yeah. right? So why are we devoting four years of academia and all those high school years to that nonsense, right? For, for people who don't know my story, I was actually in jail for armed robbery when I was 15 years wow. old. 
Uh, that's why I was expelled from school, right? So when I can, I like to speak at jails and halfway houses and high schools, you know, at-risk kids and kind of share my story. And I speak at high schools to seniors. And every now and then you get a really good teacher who says, you all have to write Randy a thank you letter because he came and spoke here. So they'll collect 50 letters and send them to me. And I read them and I'm like, people are illiterates. They're functional <laughs> illiterates. They don't know the difference between T-O-T-O-O-T-W-O. They don't know the difference between T-H-E-I-R and T-H-E-Y apostrophe E-R. I'm like, I'm a high school dropout. If I'm noticing your grammar, there's a problem here, right? So they don't know how to balance a bank account, how to budget their life, how to you know handle money, how to get a job, how to develop a career, how to think. And that's the stuff we've got to teach kids and even young adults. And unfortunately, even older adults, because they've just been programmed to be uh, worker drones. Yeah, and I, I think that's really, really true. And that raised two questions for me. First of all, what do you mean when you say that schools should teach people how to think? What, what does that look like changing the way that you view the world as a how should I think as opposed to what should I think? It's like I do a lot of consulting with companies. They basically pay me to think for them. And they say, hey, we got a pandemic, you know, we got a supply chain problems, we get ingredients from China, they're not coming, COVID-19, you know, what do we do? And I'm like, okay, here's what we got to do. And I'm, I'm helping them strategize strategy for the company. How do they survive? How do you be a wartime CEO in a situation like that and make sure your company survives so that when things get normal or close to normal, you'll still be there, still yeah. be in the fight. Um, and, you know, basically they pay me to break shit is what I like to tell my clients. You know, you, you have what you're doing and they're successful companies. They're big companies, right? They yeah. might be doing $300 million a year. They might be doing $600 million a year, but that's not where they want to go. They want to be a billion dollar company or a multi-billion dollar company. And of course what they're doing got them to 300 million, but it's not going to get them to a billion. So they hire me to come in and look at it objectively as a critical thinker, right? So I, 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 I got to be very careful how I word this because I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. <laughs> I work with a company and I, I, I change the items that are included in a certain combination product package. Let's leave it at that. And a very high-ranking person in this company sends an email and says, if we add those items, that will change the box we ship this in. We'll no longer hold them. We'll need a new box. And this is not CAPS, N-O-T, a standard box. Standard in head, you know, all CAPS too. And... Uh, you know, there's a worldwide paper shortage and we don't know what's going to happen. And I'm like, what's the point of hiring me to come in and give you innovation if you have people trained to respond in that way? The, the only way to respond that email the correct way is to be a critical thinker and say, hey, you know, we're going to need to change the packaging. So I checked around. I find out here's what the new cost would be. Here would be the new things. Here's, here's how we could do that, right? But nobody's trained to, to think that way. They're rewarded for saying, no, 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 we have a process. The way we do it is, you know, you know it's like I had a client. I said, let's put these pens in, in, in some, you, know, a mon you know, a pen with their name on it in something. And they got this process of you send for two different requests for proposals, two different places, and you get the quotes. And so meanwhile, 
it takes 10 messages that like 12 people are copied on while they're going through all this process of submitting thing. And it's like a six week process. And I'm like, I'm telling the CEO, you can't spend six weeks on how to buy pens with your name on it. You can't do that and stay in business. You're going to go broke, right? We have to re-engineer how these people think and get them to think of, you know, the way you create wealth is you do one of three possible things. You solve problems, you add value, or you envision possibilities. If you can solve, that's why I can make money, right? Because I solve problems. So there will always be people who will pay you to solve their problems, right? If you have a toothache, abscess tooth, and it's a Sunday, you just want a dentist who has emergency hours. You're not looking for coupons. You're not looking for discounts. You're not looking for the early bird special. Yeah. You just, oh my God, my arm is <laughs> do anything, Please right? make this pain go away. And you're going to pay whatever they charge. If it's $800 off a visit, you're going to pay the $800 office yeah. visit. Whatever you have to do. If you have to sell your bed to get the $800, you're going to sell your bed. Because, um, and that's true for everyone. So you say, how can I solve problems? Or how can I add value? You know, if you can show Tesla how to save $100 on the tires they put on every Tesla, with all that's millions of dollars. So they'd be happy to write you a check for $300,000 if you were a consultant. You could show them how to save $100 on every car, right? Yeah. You're adding value. You know, the third way is you envision possibilities, right? Steve Jobs envisioned the iPhone. Nobody was thinking we needed something like that. Nobody thought a phone would play music and do text messages and have mobile apps and order cars to take you to work and order pizzas and all that. But he envisioned a possibility. Uh, even after the iPhone, even after computers, you know, he, he, you know, he had this idea of the iPad. And somebody asked him, well, did you do focus groups to know people wanted an iPad? And he said, no, it's not our customer's job to know what they want. It's our job to figure we out what they want. We need to know before they know, right? Yeah. Right. That's envisioning possibilities. But to do that, to do any of those things, you have to be a critical thinker. You have to know, OK, and when I say how to think, which is really the essence of your question, it's like. Most people don't know literally how to think if you say. How do I fold a fitted sheet? Right. They would say, well, let me go to if they're, you know, if they're even halfway smart, they say, well, let me go to YouTube and type that in. And there's probably a how to video on how to do that. Right. But otherwise, if you ask someone a question, they just access the database of what is the information that I've been memorized for the, the whole previous part of my life. What did they teach me to memorize in high school, grade school, and college? And they go back to those database. And if there's a fact there they memorize, they'll answer your question. If not, they'll say, I don't know. Because they haven't been taught, how do you think laterally, linearly, linear, linearly um, logically, rationally? You know, how do you, how often, you know, one of the things I'm always telling people is you, you've got to become the thinker of the thought, which means you have to be mindful enough to think about what you think about. So you're, you know, I'm studying books and podcasts and blogs and web all day, every day, trying yeah. to, you know, cause my brain to think in better patterns and think in more productive ways and blow up the, you know, the neural pathway. The average person has like 80,000 thoughts a day and like 60,000 of them are the same thought every day. I need to brush my teeth. Let me take the cap off the toothpaste. Let me put it on. 
And so I'm always doing something to try to get, and they show that your, your brain literally gets ruts in it where the same thought follows the same neural pathways every, every day, every time you think that. So even if you do something like take your watch off your left hand and you put it on your right wrist, you know, it changes the neural pathway because you want to know what time it is. You quick look at your watch and you oh, it's not on that hand. It's on this hand. Well, you just thought in a different way. If you drive home a different way from work than you normally do, you're creating new neural pathways in your brain. If you start to learn a new language, you're creating a new neural pathways in your brain. If you study any new topic, you read a book from a critical thinker, somebody who causes you to think you're going to change the way you think. You're going to create new neural pathways. And eventually, you learn how to think, which is a very rare situation in the human animal at this moment in time. Yeah, I think those are really good breakdown. And as you're talking about that, I, I find it amusing because you have this high-level executive and uh, yeah, you have this high-level executive and he's telling you, hey, we can't change the box because this is going to cause issues. And then, and then the question almost there is, well, think outside of the box. If your biggest issue that you're facing is how to get a box that's going to fit this product or these multiple products in it, then you don't have a huge problem. Just go out there and find a supplier. It's not that difficult. It's like you said, if you can type you can Google it. You can go on YouTube. You can find a supplier. It's not that difficult. And you have all these people out there who they'll come across these problems and they'll say, well, I don't know how to do it. So it just won't work. But do you not That's know how to do it? Because you it won't work. Right? Yeah. I did some volunteer work for a, a charity that was near and dear to my heart. They needed to kind of rebrand. They wanted to get more bigger donor base. They wanted to raise money. So I went in and I created a whole new brand for them. And I present it to the executive director and the board. And they're like, wow, this is amazing. This is a wow. And then the executive director says, you know what? The problem is I just printed new stationery. <laughs> what? I just printed a thousand envelopes on a thousand letterhead with the old name and the old logo. Like, okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing the work that a mad Avenue agency would charge half a million dollars to do rebrand. I'm doing this for free. I give it to them and they're worried about the $712 they spent to print letterhead. Right. That's yeah. just the default setting of, the human animal if you haven't taught them how to be a critical thinker yeah I, I i just think that's so good and if your question is i don't know how to make that work or do you not know how to make it work because you haven't researched it or because you need someone to help you either way it's easy to find that if you need a mentor if you need a consultant you can find those online randy's right here he's talking about it this is what this is part of what he does uh, amongst many other things and the question isn't, can you do it? It's, will you do it? Will you put in the time and the effort to figure it out? Maybe you've never found a new supplier for a box, but I can assure you if I were to Google it right now, I would be able to figure it out. And I know there's logistics and supply chain issues and all that sort of thing. But I mean, come on, when you're working at a company, these are things that you need to know how to think. And that's, that's exactly right. Not what to think. And people, they're taught that there's a certain way to think and if you follow this path, then you're going to get what everyone else does. And that's true. And that's not a good thing because you don't want what everyone else, else has in their lives. So if you learn how to think, how to view things from a different way, that's when you get to add so much value. And I did go to college and that's a lot of what I saw. And this is actually why I was so frustrated with the education system, because they just tell you what to think. They tell you kind of you know, what to do. And it's never, they never give you examples. They never let you do it yourself. It's all hypothetical. I mean, I was just talking to a friend of mine about advertising and I take advertising classes and you'd never build an ad. They just show you the ideas and the hypothesis around it. And, 
you never you never did any of the things that you actually do when you start advertising. And I started advertising and I almost laughed because it's so simple. But in college, they make it seem like this huge thing and it doesn't have to be. So people will say, I don't know how to advertise. Just try it out. I guarantee you it's so much easier. You can go on YouTube and watch a 30 minute video. And that is so good. And really glad that you jumped into that. Would you talk a it's, little? It's, it's habitual thinking, right? Yeah. It's just, this is the habit of how we think. So this is the habit of how we do things. I'm working with another client and, you know, we're planning an agenda for their big event and we come up with a whole new theme and everything, you know, they were planning it before COVID, COVID killed it. Now it's a year and a half later, it's time to move on. They need to get back to live events create this whole thing and they say but you know we have this speaker that we hired for the original event and it's ten thousand dollar contract and you know we have to honor that contract and they just don't fit the new event i said okay no problem just send them the ten thousand dollars tell them that you don't need them thank them and pay them yeah they're like what <laughs> you know you'd think i was eating spiders while I was yeah. talking to them. They were just looking at me like I had insane. And I'm like, I'll tell the CEO, you know, and they're like, you will you? And I'm like, yes, because they're afraid. They think like, if I had told the CEO that I'd get fired on the spot. But no, because when you explain it to the CEO, like, hey, that was what we were doing a year and a half ago. The world has changed. Doesn't make sense to bring in that speaker, but we gave them a contract. They held the date. They've been a loyal vendor. So pay them and pay them to stay home, right? That's the right thing to do. And it's the smart business thing to do. But nobody thinks that way because it's not habitual. Yeah, they just pigeonhole themselves and say, we have to do this and never think, well, what else could we do? It, yeah. It's it's a silly, silly thing. Now, I want to talk a little bit about your brand and the building of it, the idea behind that. So first of all, how why did you start your own personal brand or randygage.com? Because you have to cut through the clutter. If you want to do anything of substance, um, you've got to, to get out there. Your stuff has to be, your work has to be out there in the universe and people have to know about it. Um, and just so you know, you, you probably aren't even aware of this, but um, people um, are in awe of what I've been able to do on social media, right? The, the followers I have on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook or whatever. But you should know, <laughs> I shut down all of my social media platforms a couple of months ago. And just said, okay, I don't want to play that game anymore. I'm, I'm just going to write my books and I'm going to trust that my work is good enough that the people who it's meant for will find their way to it. So I'm being totally upfront about that. I want everyone, I'm not blowing smoke up anybody's skirt. <laughs> I want them to know just exactly what I'm doing. Um, but, you know, and because I'm the kind of person, you know, the reason I got off social media is I'm just like, it's so inherently narcissistic and evil. It's such a black hole to go down. And I'm a private person. If I didn't write books, I would never have got on social media if my life depended on it. To think that I would go on Twitter and say, well, I'm at uh, Arby's and I ordered the roast beef with cheese and the curly fries. Here's a picture of it. I would, I mean, <laughs> that's just not who I am. I would never do that, right? But I recognize, okay, this publisher gave me a contract to write a book. They gave me an advance. They asked me to promote the book to the people who I think would do it. So I need to do that. So Twitter was the first one I studied. I'm like, okay, I'm going to open a Twitter account and I'm going to watch and see how people work on this platform and how they communicate and, and how they make connections and how do I monetize this, right? And I got really good at Twitter. And then I went to Facebook and I got really good at Facebook. Then I went to YouTube. I got really good at YouTube, right? And as the platforms would come up, I'd evaluate them and put them in. And so I used to spend 
uh, two to three hours a day on social media promoting my work, right? So create, you know, uh, just giving away lots of great content with the idea, hey, if you want a deeper dive in that, get this book of mine and look at chapter seven or, hey, if you like to really like to get serious about it, I'm doing a seminar on this and here's the dates and here's the location and, you know, here's the details if you want to register. And so I got really good at that. I don't think there's, I mean, I know there's people who are better than me at social media, right? I know, um, you know, Christina Aguilera has more followers than me. And I know The Rock has more followers than me. And Gary Vee puts out more content than me. And, you know, but I think in terms of monetizing social media, I did that as good as anybody in the world. Because I put out quality content that gets shared and it turns into sales. People buy my books. They hire me as a consultant. They come to my seminars. They buy my products and services. I got really good at that. And, you know, part of life is you have to play games. We all have to play games. You're a young, good-looking guy. If you want to get married, you're going to have to play the dating game, right? <laughs> if you want to get an education, you're going to have to play the college game. You know, if you want to get hired for a good job, you're going to have to play the uh, the employment interview job game, right? There's all these games we play. If you want to have a relationship, you got to play a game, right? So I think the, the part where people lose sight of, they realize... If you play dumb games, you get dumb, you know, prizes. So there was a point in my career where it made sense to play the social media game. I had never written a book. Nobody had ever read one of my books, right? I was doing public seminars. People didn't know I was doing public seminars. They had to have a way to find out. So I got good at playing that game, right? And then I just, I've reached a point in my life now where I say, I don't want to play that game anymore. We got to, you know, the the what social media has evolved into in the last four or five years is just traditional media and social media. They are now just manipulating the masses. They have to scare you and outrage you, and so because yeah. they need your eyeballs, so they can sell your eyeballs, right? So. It's got to be, are you a Hillary person or a Trump person or a Biden person? You know, are you an anti-masker right? or a masker? Are you telling, you know, so you can do all of your virtual signaling posts. Say, I wear a mask when I'm in the swimming pool because I'm trying to protect you because I'm not a grandma killer. And, you know, and the other people are talking about there's look at this moron is wearing a mask <laughs> in his swimming pool. What is wrong with these people? Don't they have a brain? Right. So, and CNN and ABC and Fox News, they need to fuel that. And Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, they need to fuel that. They need you scared or they need you outraged. Because if you're scared, you're going to click the link to find out what is the new variant that's going to kill me from COVID. If you're outraged, what did Biden do now? You're going to click the link. And that's what it's turned into. And I just say, even though I really judiciously, mindfully curated the people I follow. So I really did follow people who were critical thinkers. I loved my Twitter feed. I, I mean, I, I follow some of the most brilliant people on earth and they have amazing insights. But even they get sucked into fighting the trolls and responding to the ads and the replies and the mentions. And then that infects my timeline. And I just said, you know what? It's just not healthy for me. I'm just not going to play that game anymore. So I got off like three months ago and just said, hey, you know, I'm going to do my work. I'll have my blog, my site. People will find it. I, have the prop. I do a podcast myself. It's called the Power Prosperity Podcast. I trust the right people will find it. And the people who find it and get value from it will tell their friends about it and share it. And I've got a body of work out there, 14 books, you know, 10,000 blog posts, 500 podcasts or some number like that. Um, you know, 
videos and audios and albums and you know and i have to some point say hey i'm going to trust that the people who get value from that will find it and that the people who get value will say hey i'm going to do the prosperous thing and i'm going to share that because i know gage isn't on social media anymore my friend doesn't know he has a podcast i'm going to tell my friend about his podcast right and And maybe they won't. You know what? Maybe three years from now, I'll be destitute and penniless, sleeping under a bridge because nobody remembers Randy Gage and buys any of his books. Who knows? But (laughs) it's a risk I'm willing to take. (laughs) After having this interview, I don't think that's going to be the case. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. And I, I know we have to wrap up. I have one final question. How do you find people who are critical thinkers? You mentioned that you always followed people on social media who are critical thinkers. How do you find those people who are going to post and share things that are going to build you up as opposed to make you fearful or outraged? Because I always look for somebody who will cause me to think about something in a way I've never thought about it before. Right? If people say, well, it's getting colder. Um, you should get a flu shot and it's time to buy the pumpkin spice latte at Starbucks. And it's time to take out the sweaters because autumn is here. And the Are you sure you're not on social media? Because that's all it is right now, Randy. <laughs> right. Because that's all it is every October. Yeah. Right. So I don't need anybody to tell me that shit. I already <laughs> thought about it that way. I need someone to say, hey. It's autumn. We should take all people who drink pumpkin spice lattes and put them in a stadium and lock them up for six months and only feed them table scraps. Uh, My first thought would be, okay, no, that's we're not allowed to do that. That wouldn't be human rights or whatever. But I'd say, but I'm really glad he's making me think about this in a way that I've never thought about it before. Right. It's so we should follow psych- psychopaths and serial killers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So I, that's what I look for is I don't need, you know, it's like, you know, I, I do a training for professional speakers. Once a year, I do a speaker school. Right. And I tell them, you know, we, we don't, you know, and everybody, you know, they come to me all the time. I'm in the speaker hall of fame, right. I've spoken to more than 2 million people in 50 countries. So I have a lot of speakers who come to me and they're like, I'm the female Les Brown. You know, I'm the black Zig Ziglar. I'm the, and I'm like, nobody needs that. We don't need a female Les Brown. We don't need a black Zig Ziglar or an Eskimo Tony Robbins or whatever. We need you to be you. We need something original. Don't tell me about the Roger Bannister four-minute mile story. Don't tell me about the starfish throwing back in the ocean story. Don't tell me the Covey Lighthouse story. I read that when I read his book. Tell me a story that only you can tell me, that has a lesson for me that applies to my life. you got to do the speech that no one else in the world could give that speech you got to write the book that no one else in the world could write that book. you got to do the podcast that no one else in the world could do that podcast. Yeah. Right? That's a critical thinker. That's, so you'll know when, you know, or people say, okay, I, I'm a leadership expert. I have read the 50 most important books on leadership. And I can summarize them for you. What are all the important points? I don't need that. I could, you know, AI could do that for me in 12 seconds. I need you to write a leadership book that, you know, or they're like, you know, the don't tell me, don't give me a speech about Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, I read that when I took that college course. Give me a book about the Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs and why he fit up because he missed the most important one, number five, which he didn't get. Or tell me why his number six is wrong, right? That's a critical thinker. That's somebody causing me to think about it in a way that I've never thought about it before. 
So that's what I look for, right? I'm looking for people who challenge my, you know, the customary way of thinking and cause me to look at it in a different way. Yeah, thank you so much for going into that. And it's a shame, I know, for everyone listening that we have to start to wrap up because this has been an absolutely amazing interview. And it's very clear that you have so much knowledge in so many areas. So we'll get to a point where you get to share more about yourself. But I I just want to say I truly appreciated learning under you. So thank you for taking the time to join us, Randy. And now I'll transition us over to our core four questions, the questions I like to ask every guest. So first of all, what's one thing that you would challenge the listeners to do uh, today to make a positive impact in their lives? Go read something by somebody who's been canceled. (laughs) That's very controversial. (laughs) Thank you for that. What is your top book recommendation? Well, I have the top book for me. I don't know that it's the top book for you or for someone watching or listening to this, but I could say and will say that the book which influenced me the most in my life is called Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand, um, which is a work of fiction. And most people have read it in high school or college because it's in a lot of college courses. Um, And it's a work of fiction though. It's a, you know, but why it was so impactful for me was the, the protagonists in the book live their life by a congruent philosophy, right? So that was mind expanding for me because I realized I don't live my life by a congruent philosophy. There are not foundational principles I live by. I'm just being buffeted by the winds and the waves and what social media is telling me what to think and what are the TV shows I'm watching and the, the books I'm reading and the movies I'm going to. Um, and the, I don't know if you can see behind me, my last book is called Radical Rebirth. Uh, and it's about how you get brainwashed by books, movies, blogs, podcasts, TV shows, operas, plays, um, the mind viruses, right? So I've been a stud- studying these extensively for a long time now. And this book is kind of the culmination of all my work in that area. And so um, this is a process that really started when I read Atlas Shrugged. And I realized, um, like, you know, my friends are just like everyone else. They've been brainwashed by social media. So I have a near dear friend of mine who's a fervent Donald Trump fanboy, right? Everything Trump does is perfect. Everything Biden does is evil. So, you know, he'll, he'll send me a thing um, because, you know, Gavin Newsom in California has just done some stupid mandate that like a five-year-old kid has to be vaccinated before they can go to school according to him. Um, They don't even have vaccinations for kids in that age group, right? So that's just a dumb vaccinate. It's just a dumb policy. Yeah. But so he writes me, you see what Newman, you know, Newsom did in California, all the liberal. And I'm like, dude, I don't want to hear it. Because when Ron DeSantis, who's, you know, Mr. Butt Kisser Trump, told, you know, we had a, a cruise company here that wanted to, they said, okay, we're going to offer cruises again, but we're only going to take people who are vaccinated. So he actually went to court to say they can't do that. I'm like, why would a governor get involved in a private business? If a private cruise company feels the best way they can avoid bankruptcy, because nobody's taken any cruises for the last year, yeah. and they feel the best way for them to stay alive is to say, hey, we're going to offer cruises for people who are vaccinated. Why would the government get involved in that? You know, do we not have a bill of rights? Do we not yeah. believe in private property? So what I tell my friend is, listen, it's okay if you say Newsom in California has a stupid policy because that, you know what, it really looks like a stupid policy. But at the same time, you were cheering on 
uh, DeSantis when he was, you know, telling the cruise company that the government should mandate how they do their cruises. Yeah. And he sends me when, uh, you know, Tesla did, and not Tesla, SpaceX, they did the, uh, you know, where they took the people up in space or whatever. And he, he writes me, why do you think President Biden refuses to acknowledge this? I'm like, uh, maybe because he's president and he's supposed to be running the country. And <laughs> thinking he, about other he's things. Probably <laughs> the same reason he didn't acknowledge the last blog post that I put up that he has a job yeah. and presidents aren't supposed to endorse private companies and promote them. You know, it's like, okay, we had four years of Trump. Uh, SpaceX did amazing things during those four years. I never got a message from you that said, why do you think President Trump refuses to acknowledge that they, you know, I mean, they did, what was it, 2017, you know, they were the first company to ever send a rocket up, reuse it, bring it back and land it on a platform in the middle of the ocean. That was, you know, so it's like, if you didn't send me that message when Trump was in office, don't send me the message when Biden is in office, right? Yeah. Because you're just being manipulated by the ecosystem of all the social media you've surrounded yourself with. So you, you're lashing out because you have this visceral hate of Biden, just like the Trump derangement people lash out because they have the visceral hate of Trump. But if you want to be a intelligent human being at some point you have to say no i i need to be rational about this <laughs> and there need to be principles that i live by and i need a congruent philosophy for my life and then i'll know that it's okay to be pissed off when the democrats do something stupid just like it's okay to be pissed off when the republicans do something stupid or the libertarians do something stupid or the Socialist Workers Party or whatever, right? Just, but have a compass, have a North Star, you know, a, a, a philosophy that guides you on how to live your life. Yeah, no, that that's incredible. And I really appreciated the comparison between Biden didn't support the SpaceX launch. Well, Trump didn't either. And you weren't messaging me there. So that's, that's a perfect uh, you know, kind of comparison there. So thank you for sharing that. And where can people learn more about you? Because I have no doubt that the listeners are going to want to. Yeah, really, randygage.com. That's my Starfleet command site that you can get everything there. My blog link is there. My podcast link is there. Um, there's a email newsletter. If you sign up for that, then you'll know if I'm doing a public seminar or about a new book coming out or doing a new live stream or something like that all right perfect and i'll leave a link in the show notes for anyone who's looking for that and a link to all of Ernie's books as well and finally what is one fun fact about you <laughs> i love k-pop really <laughs> i do that is great that is, that is a fantastic uh Facts. Thank you for sharing that, and thank you for taking the time to join us today, Randy. It has been my pleasure to meet you. All right, thanks for having me on. Everybody watching and listening, thanks. Peace. Hey, thanks for listening to the Power Prosperity Podcast. Do me a favor and practice the circulation law of prosperity and tell people about Prosperity TV. So if you would, just put something up on your Tumblr, your Twitter, your Facebook, your YouTube. Uh, let people know what you think of the Power Prosperity Podcast. Even take a screenshot of your phone and maybe post that picture uh, so we can build the community here at the podcast. Thanks, guys.